0: Principal Matters Podcast, episode 288. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast, where each week we bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, we're talking about better strategies for dropout recovery with my guest, Dr. Warren glenn warren j glenn has over 15 years of experience in post-secondary education his journey in higher education has enhanced his expertise to administer grants manage deliverables and mentor and motivate young scholars currently he is the area sponsor for the ohio department of education community schools of northeast Ohio. Dr. Glenn previously oversaw the northeast region of dropout recovery high schools for Oakmont Education. He recently received the degree of Doctor of Education with an emphasis in community college leadership from National American University. He earned his Bachelor of Education in Secondary Education, Social Studies, Sociology, and Psychology from the University of Toledo, Ohio, and he earned a Master of Education degree in Education Administration, Secondary Admin from Cleveland State University in Cleveland, Ohio. Dr. Glenn is also a bow tie expert, and he enjoys mentoring young African-American males in this art, and a few of his volunteer efforts include mentoring scholars enrolled in the Black American Council and organizing the Books Brothers Engagement to Graduation event, which is a Black male initiative program at Kaya Hoga Community College. Dr. Warren Glenn, welcome to Principal Matters Podcast. Feel free to fill in the gaps on that intro. and I like to ask my guests something that might surprise listeners to know about you,
1: okay. Great. Well, the only thing that probably I'll add to it it's a little bit more than fifteen years now that I've been in the field of education. Obviously, I try and stay young, but I have to put on there, I've been in there a little bit longer now. It's like probably closer to or it is. 20 or maybe a little bit more years at this point so I definitely had to make that addition and then I also work for the office of school sponsorship uh, supported by the Ohio Department of Education as well so but it's all the same thing at the end of the day when it comes to supporting and collaborating with different school districts and students within the great state that we live in here in the state of Ohio as, as I like to say to everyone as well so and thank you for having me as part of your show I'm very excited to be here today. And also, I had my bow tie as well.
0: For our listeners, you can't see this handsome bow tie that Dr. Glenn is wearing, but maybe I'll share a copy later of the uh, video version of this for those of you that want to see that he is definitely an expert in the tying of the bow tie. Dr. Glenn, one of the reasons that we've connected is that we've supported together some of the work that Ohio school leaders are doing. And, and so I became aware of your work and, and those connections, and we've been able to connect offline and talk together about the work that you've done, the background work you've done, the expertise that you have in dropout recovery. And for my listeners, which are some aspiring leaders, some practicing principals, some uh, education leaders within the district levels, this is a conversation, especially at the secondary level and post-secondary, that people agonize a lot about, which is what can we do better in helping kids finish school or in dropout recovery. So can you share a little bit more about your background and what prompted you uh, to do your dissertation on the subject of dropout recovery?
1: Well, my background consists of working with high at-risk students, and as well as first-generation high school graduates, as well as first-generation college graduates. And a lot of times people were not familiar with either of those terms. And so having to understand that working with first-generation high school graduates is meaning that neither one of their parents graduated high school, and which in my mind was just like, what do you mean? You know, how could your parents not graduate high school? Who does not do that? And as well as going to the secondary level, working with first-generation college students who neither one of their parents had graduated from a community college nor a four-year college as well. And so what I looked at was my life of growing up in a blessed situation and in more ways, privilege, where I had two parents who were college educated as well as my father having an advanced degree and the impacts that that made on myself and my brother when it came to college success. Then also understanding that once you are still in these same levels, The pathway is still sort of the same, but it's still a little bit different when you have different levels of support to help you out when you come from a background that has extensive education in their family. And so one of the things that really intrigued me was finding out what were some of the obstacles that these students were having to overcome, as well as what were the unique elements that allowed each student to be successful from these dropout recovery programs. And so that was one of the things that which prompted my studies because even though the beginning of my career as a school administrator, it began in a traditional school but the formative years were more so in a dropout recovery program. And so I had those years then even when I stepped away and focused on second, post-secondary, I still was serving on the board. And so still engaging in that type of environment, and then going back into it again, and then here I am completely submerged. I was still wanting to be a part of that. And so those are some of the things throughout my, when I wanted to do my focus in my dissertation is to be able to find out what were the success, what were the unique elements that made these dropout recovery programs successful, as well as in particularly the ones that were located at a Midwestern community college. And understanding that these were situations where students were going from a dropout recovery program to a community college, which were very similar. And so what I saw with working with in the secondary level is that many of the students that I work with on the secondary level were going through the same obstacles that my students that were on a secondary level were going through as well in a dropout recovery program. And so what happened, we started seeing the transition and still the need to be able to educate these students as they were going into a different level of life. Some of them were able to transient right into it, and some of them had some issues as well. So we would push them to do a credential until they got enough life experience to be successful with full-fledged college environment as a student. So you saw the successes there as well. So those are the that was one of the main reasons that really prompted me to do that, and then also being able to encourage other community colleges to have articulation agreements. With some of the drop up recovery programs in their communities where these schools, where these colleges reside, to be able to help a population of learners still increase the levels of education they want to have to be able to be productive citizens in life.
0: Well, let's stay there for just a few minutes because I, your dissertation, which is uh, a powerful read, and There are several observations that you make throughout as well as recommendations, but before I jump into some of the recommendations that you have let's let's stay here for just a moment. And I know every student is different, Dr. Glenn, but what are some of the general observations that you've made in the obstacles that so many students that you've worked with are facing that could help other education leaders to remember. This is the reality that a lot of young people are stepping into when they're just simply trying to finish school.
1: Well, the first thing is understanding the transitional process of the student, of that they have never been on a college campus previously and knowing how to engage with people that don't look like them, as well as do not come from the environments that they come from as well. So that's one of the things that we wanna make sure that we can do is that being able to understand how to engage in building a bridge so that students can be able to have a comfortable transition from dropout recovery graduate to first year freshman at a community college. And what does that look like? Well, one of the things that that looks like is again, being able to help them have early success and marrying what happened at the dropout recovery program. So you're not gonna put them in the highest level classes immediately, but you're gonna put them in classes where they have tested into so that they can receive the early success that they need in understanding these things, as well as making sure what is their financial plan? Because one of the things that comes into play is not necessarily just having the early success, it's having financial support, of making sure that these students understand what scholarships and grants are available for them. Because clearly, many of them are gonna have to get financial aid, but we're trying to make sure that these students graduate with less or no debt. So making sure that they have this set up, as well as a mentor. Mentoring is one of the biggest key concepts when it comes to student success especially when you're working with dropout recovery students. That mentor is going to start really from their dropout recovery school, but then transition to the community college. And that's why I emphasize within my dissertation of creating articulation agreement between the dropout recovery program, as well as the community college. So then your mentor from your dropout recovery school is going to know the director of admissions, or they're going to know the director of financial aid. They're going to know who's overseeing certain student outreach programs, such as the Black American Council, or such as the Hispanic American Council, or uh, transi- uh, women in transition programs that are at some of the colleges to be able to assist. People who are going into different programs to help some have create early success, as well as support to retain these students. Because one of the things that community colleges go through, which is the same thing as dropout recovery programs, Is focusing on student retention. Student retention still is an issue in both levels. And so, but when you have someone there that's giving you support, you're going to be able to retain that student because they have consistent support that they need to be successful within that post-secondary environment because they see it on both levels.
0: Mm. Well, I love that because, and I'm just going to walk back for Principal Matters listeners, some of the things that I know they're taking mental notes on too, you know, making sure that you're ensuring early success watching for a financial plan that doesn't place them in debt, but helps them to finish school in a good position, and then assigning a mentor. I want to ask you a follow-up on that too, Sure. Dr. Glenn. Help listeners think about what might be some options for ways to connect students with the right mentor.
1: Well, one of the things that we'll do when you connect them with the right mentor is a lot of times we have to look at, presentation is everything. So particularly if you were working with a black male that is coming to the college that is a predominantly white institution, you're gonna try and find them someone that can mirror them and can understand their experiences. Not to say that someone who is not African-American male can't, but it still comes off different initially. And then that mentor can help them transition to engaging with people who don't look like him on a regular basis and understand that you can find mentorship wherever you want to. And as well as with that initial mentor, that mentor should be asking them, well, what do you wanna do career-wise and understanding how to help them get to that. Well, another mentor is gonna be someone who is in that career. So if they're coming in and they want to become a nurse, well, we wanna make sure that they have an opportunity to meet with the program director of nursing, as well as maybe some nurses in the community so that they can have an opportunity to have different types of conversations with this person from the beginning of their program of understanding, well, what are some of the needs to be a nurse? What are some of the things that I would probably be wary of of being a nurse before I go further into this program? And then also if one of the things we talk about I'll stay on nursing, if you're not into blood and guts, this might not be what you wanna do. And so having those crucial conversations a lot earlier. So, and that is key. And I say crucial conversations because that's the key aspect of being a mentor of not necessarily just sugarcoating things, but having the crucial conversations to help your mentee grow. And then also understanding as a mentor, and as I say this to my students in my first year experience course that I teach and my uh, my other courses I teach is that not only are they learning from me and I'm teaching them how to be successful with their next instructor they're gonna be engaged with, well, they're teaching me on how I'm gonna be able to be successful with the next group of students that I'm gonna be engaged with as well. So, it's a continual circle of learning where eventually, yes, the student does become the teacher, but in the meantime, the teacher is still continuously learning because if you're a successful teacher, you're going to set your students up to become the teacher while you move up to a different level of professionalism. And so mm-hmm. that everyone helps everyone grow.
0: Thank you. And that's so powerful because when you look at all of those areas that you just recommended, finding mentors who can mirror the experience of someone else connecting them with those career interests and then asking those crucial conversation questions, because you're right. Sometimes people are pursuing pathways that really aren't realistic for what they can handle. Or like you said, if it's a blood and gut situation, they they may be choosing a career that's completely unrealistic for, uh, for their, for their own sensibilities or, or their own, uh, or their own gifts and talents. Um, there was something else that you've talked about, uh, we talked about this off the air, and I'm not sure if this was in your dissertation or not, but it was so intriguing. I wanted to make sure I ask you this question for listeners, too, and that is the lessons that you've learned in creating stronger bridges for post-secondary experiences, not just for students, but also for their families. Why have you found this to be an important an important role in helping with dropout recovery?
1: Well, one of the things that you want to be able to do is break the cycle of economic depression within a family. A lot of times, we we put that on the future student, but not understanding the stressors that come along with that. And so one of the things that we encourage our families to do, especially at the post-secondary level, is not just have your child enrolled in school, but have programs that support families. So which is another program through Youth Adult and Community Connections, which basically creates credential programs for not just students, but for families to be involved and to be able to support one another when it comes to completing a credential or an associate degree and so that with that it's not necessarily just the adult student the adult child that's in these classes it's also the parent because they're learning as well and so that they can actually be more self-sufficient on themselves because one of the things that we want to do is basically have the student be self-sufficient and these are intro careers and so with an intro career it's not a lot of money but it's enough money to take care of yourself so it's kind of hard to extend that to a parent or another sibling, but we can actually involve that parent and sibling in these same types of programs. So then they can become self-sufficient. So what that does, that eliminates the cycle of poverty that your family had at that time. So then you see the support upwards and then you see it downwards and then be able to come together to support one another to have family success. And then they can go on to support each other as it needs be in regards to having additional economic success of gaining more edu- more additional education, as well as being able to then encourage others to do the same thing. I just saw a post on LinkedIn where a gentleman who was 101 years old who just earned his bachelor's degree. Where it's never too late, you know. It's never too late as long as the mind is sharp and that you have the ability to still, you know, contribute to society. You can do these things. You know, some people still think, oh, I'm too old, I can't do this. And it's only too old when you just start to think that yourself. You're really never too old.
0: 101 years old that is that's so inspiring here's some thoughts that i had when the first time you told me these ideas and, and i want to come back because i'm going to ask you for some examples but before i do um the first things that went through my mind were like will parker 1.0 understanding of dropout recovery is is as a former high school principal all the supports and resources necessary and i'm speaking directly to listeners right now You know that you need to create the supports and resources necessary for kids in your schools to be successful. And then 2.0 is recognizing that just because a student graduates from your school does not ensure they're going to be successful. They're going to need additional supports in that transition. But then when you and I were having this conversation originally, Dr. Glenn, I told you my my brain kind of just exploded for a moment. And I went into the level 3.0. Because I have never had anyone recommend to me in my conversations or in the reading I've done, including their families in that education, giving them the same opportunities to earn degrees or credentials while the student is learning that degree or that getting that credential too. And, and you actually shared a couple of examples with me. Could you share those with listeners too? Of, yeah. of just how, does that, how has that looked with some of the families with whom
1: you've worked? Well, the uh, first example I have is when I was the director, the campus director at veteran college, which was a skilled trades college, where you had a family that came in and and went into our HVAC program. Well, the father was a skilled plumber. And but he wanted his sons to get an HVAC associate degree as well. And I'd asked him, I said, Well, why do you want to leave from being a plumber, which makes a lot of money? to going to HVAC. His response was to me, it's like, well, I got tired of being knee deep in poop, but then also being able to go into a different direction and to lead my sons and to help direct them with this as well. So then again, once they had their associate degree, they were able to go on and get another degree in business. And so they have their own business now. So it's a family business. And so, which was definitely very unique to be able to have it. And you saw the support from a father to be able to have his sons there and he kept them on track to make sure that at the end of the day, they'll be financially successful. But then when the circle of life comes back, they'll be able to take care of him. And that was one of the things that he wanted to be able to do to make sure that they could take care of, not just self, just themselves, but also him as he gets in his elder years of life. A second re- example I use is when I was the director of education at Sanford Brown College, which was a allied health college. And you saw mothers and daughters in allied health programs together and graduated together where the mother had had a career and realized that it wasn't a career she wanted and then went back to school with her daughter to be able to assist her daughter in receiving a credential in medical billing and coding or medical assisting. And so that they can then go into a different career together and learn from one another and basically be able to support each other with their weaknesses as well as their strengths to be successful students and then be able to go into A career as medical assistant so i've been able to see it on different levels and it's definitely worked out well to be able to to show success and what it looks like to have your parent or maybe a sibling there as well with you because we've seen where siblings were in the same situation and sometimes we had people who are married who were in the same program as well and it worked out very well so to be able to see the growth from where someone came in not knowing to being very knowledgeable and supporting one another and what that really looked like once they completed
0: everything. I love those examples. Thank you so much for circling back to that and sharing those ideas too, because I, I think um, you and I recently were in a, a professional learning setting together and I was sharing some research from uh, the author Ruby Payne that talks about all the resources, all students need to be successful. And one of those resources is a caring person or family member you know, financial support, good health, all those things that we know that are essential. But fleshing those things out sometimes, uh, you, you, you find um, ideas or examples that um, that I don't see being practiced very often. And that was one that was so intriguing to me. So thank you so much for taking listeners down that road. The possibilities of not just ensuring the students being successful, but also connecting their parents with that same possibility for success. And growth and credential too. any other thoughts you want to add to that before we move on
1: uh, just one more thing i'd like to add to during my uh, research for my dissertation and one of the reasons i asked students why did they drop out and the consistent reason it was reoccurring all the time was lack of parental support oh so, and so having the support and then having someone there they saw how successful they were and then on the flip side asking well why were why are they so successful now compared to before, and a lot of students are saying, well, I have a lot of family support, and then they're saying that I have a sibling that attends with me as well. So you start seeing that and how it occurs, and many times, so you start seeing those those reoccurring responses, and obviously that was the theme, for that matter, for certain parts of my chapter, my dissertation to be the write on those things, but those are very consistent.
0: Well, and what I like about that too, Dr. Glenn, is it's just such a great reminder to all of us because I'm just going to speak from my heart right now for just a moment. But we have such a tendency, I think, in the American dream to encourage people to pull themselves up by their bootstraps, do whatever it takes to be successful. And it is important to have perseverance and to have grit. All of those things are necessary for us to reach our goals. But I think sometimes we underplay the power and the strength that comes with those who help us reach our goals that community of support, whether that's the people who live with us or whether that's the people that connect with us and support us in our schools. And so for anyone to think that statistically students are more successful when just given the right opportunities, they're really not probably looking at the research you've looked at, which shows that for students to be successful, they don't just need opportunities. They have to have layers of support as well.
1: Yeah, there's definitely layers that come with it. And then also understanding that the the statement of pulling yourselves up by your bootstraps of understanding that some people don't even have bootstraps so they have to either get scraps to be able to make those bootstraps and then be able to go into and then understanding that not everybody's bootstraps are going to work the same and so everyone learns different and understanding that and how that works when it comes to being successful and so that was one of the another outcomes is understanding the different learning styles that students would have versus going to traditional schools, why dropout recovery schools were successful in different areas of life and the transition to post-secondary.
0: Well, that's so rich. I know there was a a side conversation you and I were having too that's not necessarily reflected in your research, but I wanted to go here for just a moment because you have you do a lot of work with education leaders across your state and you have a lot of perspective from your background, but also the current work that you do now. And both of us know that part of the difficulty in serving students, whether it's in dropout recovery or in traditional settings, is our teacher pipeline, making sure that we have high quality educators who can continue to serve. And as I'm talking to educators in my work consistently, this is the number one thing that keeps coming back to me, which is I'm having a harder and harder time finding the right teachers or retaining good teachers to serve my students. And so I I know this was not the the, the focus of your dissertation, but I just wanted to go there for a few minutes because you added a lot of value in that conversation to me. Dr. Glenn, what, what would you, ideas might education leaders keep in mind when they're thinking about this dilemma of increasing the teacher pipeline?
1: Well, starting out young, you know, when, when students are not just in high school, but also in middle school, to be able to create a pipeline of interest at that time, because obviously you are not gonna be in the field, but a pipeline of interest. And then also, sometimes there are youth programs and summer camps where you have students who are in the sixth grade, but then there's also kindergartners there. Well, encourage those programs to have those sixth graders become teachers aides to those kindergartners. And so they can get an understanding of what it's like to work with youth and to teach them at a time, because they're gonna listen to them, as well as continue to do that as students get older, to be able to have different pipelines for them create scholarships because funding is gonna be a big thing for students to be able to go into education, create a pipeline where you're gonna have funding for students to be able to go into different fields of education. So if you're looking for math teachers and science teachers, which are like unicorns right now, and even special ed teachers, is that you wanna be able to create programs to spark interest in students early. And the benefits of it as well, we're just understanding that yes, Professionally, you are a teacher, but you're able to do a lot of different things with your degree from the field of education. And you have a lot of privileges that a lot of people don't have either, especially when it comes to your summers and your breaks and being able to do a lot of different things as well. And then also the transition period as well. And that's what people need to understand is that not everybody has to retire in the classroom. You don't have to be the building leader, but you can do other things with your degrees. So you can go on and become a curriculum specialist, you can go on to become, obviously you can become a uh, president of a, not a president, but a principal of a school, but you can do different things with regards to curriculum. Uh, right now, diversity, equity, and inclusion as it relates to curriculum for that matter. And that goes into how students are learning as well as with special ed services. So making sure people understand the different avenues that the career of education can give you so that you're not just thinking we're going to stay in one area, because I think a lot of times you have people who say they want to go into education but they don't know the different avenues that they can go into as educators, where they're not just hold, held in one type of square peg at a point where they can do different avenues of education and then have a very, very good career in it as well. I mean, you're not going to be very wealthy, but you'll be able to live in a sense, I'd say, comfortably for that matter, because you have a better understanding of finances. And so that's another area to go into, because obviously starting out, you're not making a lot of money, but having a good understanding of financial resources, that's one of the best things that I know being an educator that you have is understanding how to make a dollar stretch. And then once you get to a point where you're making a little bit more money, you can do different things and you have the, the opportunity to be able to go, in different, go to different opportunities, you know, especially, before you get to that ten-year mark, you know it's like once you get that ten-year mark, you have to start making some decisions for yourself. If you're going to stay in the classroom, if you're going to relocate, okay, or if you're just going to stay, you know for that matter. So once you make those decisions, then you'll be able to make better decisions for the future, your family, as you move forward in life too, as well. But having those early, crucial conversations with obviously yourself, your family, and then also a mentor that you've been working with. And so we go back to that word mentor. So anyone going into the field of education or thinking about it, you definitely want to have a mentor. And that was one of the things that I did when I first got into it. And one of the things that we discussed was finances. You know, when I first got into education, it was kind of like frowned upon that I wanted to go into administration. And it was to the point where I even stopped saying it. It was just me and my best friend who would just talk about it to one another because people would say, well, you know, I make as much money as this person and this and that. And I'm like, oh, really? Which was unique to me. And I needed to hear that. So I understood within understanding as to how. But I still knew that I had an element of leadership that I wanted to have that I know I would not be able to do while I was in the classroom with being the building leader or even the regional person at that time that I was so that I was able to bring in other ideas that really helped me out in the long run. So that was, that, was, that was key in that situation.
0: One of the things that I appreciate about you, um, Dr. Glenn, is your, your ability to think in systems comprehensively. So I, I, this is one of the reasons I wanted to have you as a guest on this program is, is so many questions I've asked you. You don't think about the immediate, you think about the, what do we need to be doing years before we get to this point? And then where do we need to transition people once they're there? down the road, not just with dropout recovery programs, but also with mentoring and uh, working with educators, whether they're at the beginning of their career or uh, or later in their career. In fact, you were the first person I've ever heard used the term, uh, and I wrote this down the last time you and I spoke, that sometimes educators need to realize that there are shelf life, that there's a shelf life to some of their positions. Yeah. And, and I, I never heard someone put it that way, but I think that's so insightful that the work of education isn't just one lens. There's lots of different perspectives that you can have on this work. And I do think that's helpful, especially when we're trying to encourage people into this pipeline, that the pathways can be so varied. There's a lot of different opportunities that could be created for you, depending on what you want to do.
1: Yeah, most definitely. And I use that term all the time, is that there is a shelf life. Oh, and unfortunately, everything has a shelf life. You know, you look at great athletes. You know, I would love to be able to see magic johnson lace him up again but there's a shelf life to that i mean father time is still undefeated tom brady right now is still doing well but again we're going to have to deal with the fact that there's a shelf life to his football career and he's going to go on to do other things we saw may he rest in peace with kobe bryant there was a shelf life to his career as good as he was even on his last game he realized no this is my last game and he went into doing things in regards to producing and was very successful at that and being able to make what I call the pivot and Kevin McHale was very big at the pivot he was a uh, forward slash center for the Boston Celtics. He couldn't really jump that high, but he was very good at the pivot. And that's what we have to learn how to be able to do in life. I had a very a, a good friend of mine. She's also an educator and she worked for uh, Shaker Heights City Schools as their diversity, equity, inclusion person that oversees their curriculum. And her story was she started out going to Miami of Ohio, Oxford. And her major was music. And she was going to become a music teacher and was a was on scholarship in the band, but realized that it was very going to be very, very difficult, almost slim to none, to get a job as a music teacher. So she did a pivot and understood that I didn't want to lose any credits. So I won't go into music, but I will become an elementary ed, educator. And so Able to do those things she's able to keep her classes, so the key word was pivot and understanding that and knowing these things early. And so that you and I always tell students when it comes to even choosing a college and choosing a major of understanding that the major you go in with might not be what you graduate with. But after so many years of having so much earning so many credits, you want to make sure those credits transfer and it relates to the same thing when it comes to your profession. I mentioned earlier the 10-year mark well you need to make sure that if you pivot what that pivot is going to look like and being able to be substantiated in a sustainable area of life financially and looking at those things and how it affects you your family and anyone else that you're engaging with as well as you make that pivot so it's very important definitely very because everything has a shelf life and understanding when that shelf life is going to occur and being in front of that shelf life.
0: Well, Dr. Warren Glenn, thank you so much for all that rich feedback, not just on dropout recovery, but on ideas for teachers uh, in the pipelines that they're in and educators as they think about comprehensively their own work. I just want listeners to have an opportunity to stay connected with you. So as we wrap up today's conversation, um, if someone is interested in learning more, how can they reach out to you? And then I want to give you the opportunity for any closing thoughts or ideas.
1: Uh, they can reach me at drglen at, at glenukate.org. So they can, again, that's Dr. Glenn at glenukate. that's one N and glen.org. That's my email address. You can definitely reach me there. You can always reach me on LinkedIn as well. I'm under Warren Glenn. I'll, I'll come up as well. So you can reach me there. So yeah, so definitely those are two avenues to be able to reach me. And I do respond. I I keep my phone by me all the time. I will respond.
0: Well, I know there were dozens of other things we could have discussed with your dissertation and the recommendations that you've made. But any closing thoughts as we wrap up today's conversation? A closing thought
1: is, is just to definitely ensure that we're creating inclusive spaces for students to find success educationally as they come to our doors to be educated. I think that's one of the things that we need to definitely continuously work on and creating those inclusive spaces is something that is not just a one and done. It is a continual revamp and redo with new programming and ideas from fresh minds. It's not necessarily the same mind We're bringing in different people to have different aspects and opinions of how things can be done. And trying to find a way to implement those things because the students are, they're the diversity and we're able to create the inclusive, equitable programming because of the positions that we sit in.
0: Well, Dr. Warren Glenn, thank you so much this week for sharing better strategies for dropout recovery and Principal Matters listeners, I will share Dr. Glenn's contact information in the show notes. And if you wanna reach back to him with questions or if you'd like to see a copy of his dissertation so that you can just dig deeper into these strategies and please reach out to him directly. But until next time, Dr. Glenn, thank you so much for the opportunity to learn together this week. And Principal Matters listeners, thank you so much for what you do because what you do matters. We'll talk to you again soon. You can find free resources like this one at my website at williamdparker.com.